This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Hey, this is your Olympic hero, Kurt Angle, and you're listening to Top Rope Nation. Oh, it's true. It's damn true. What is up, Top Rope Nation? Episode 192. We're here to talk some Royal Rumble history with you tonight. It's Ryan Drosty of comicbook.com, joined by Kyle Ross and Justin Joint. Justin Joint, you're making your first appearance of 2021 on the podcast. You weren't with us last week. Week before, we took uh, took the week off. So welcome to 2021's version of Top Rope Nation, Justin. Damn glad to have you back. Yay, good to be here and uh, listen to last week's show. You guys did a fantastic job. Oh, thank you. Appreciate it. I mean, that. not as good as, you know, when I'm here, but still pretty good. <laughs> it could have been better. It was all right. It was all right. We call it the cut. ring. You got a fresh <laughs> cut, as I see on our uh, video stream right now, looking good. Yes, sir. Go. First haircut since July. Previous to that was uh, a year ago. Mm. Do, trying to do my part, you know. Yeah. Got a nice Brody Lee tribute shirt on as oh, well. Yeah. I bought the, uh, you know, no offense to the AEW Brody merch, but just not a fan of it. But I did want to get something. And uh, so I got the EC3 uh, version that he put out that the uh, proceeds go to the family still. So awesome. happy about that. I, I think it's easily the best uh, new Brody shirt out there, uh, followed by that. Uh, I think it's the John Huber Forever. Yeah, that the the hockey shirt company yes. made. Yeah, I like that one. Fan. That one's pretty good. Yeah, very nice. Kyle, EC three who is morphing into Kurgan every day. <laughs> yeah, little more yes. and more. That's awesome. Kyle, how you doing, man? You uh, you got quite the production going on the video stream here. You got some uh, neon lights flashing on your ceiling. He's ready to go. He, you're pumped for this show. I uh, also have not gotten a haircut in a long time. In case you can't tell. <laughs> Also looks like I'm being attacked from outer space on this screen. I don't know what's going on with that. Go on to our YouTube page. It's youtube.com slash top rope nation. As you scroll through our shows from the last several years, you will see Kyle's hair change quite a bit. Varying lengths of those beautiful blonde curls, Kyle. So I've noticed over the years. Should put it on the line or something. Hair versus hair match against somebody. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, like I said at the top of the show, we're going to talk a little Royal Rumble history. Obviously, we've got the WWE's Royal Rumble uh, coming up here in a little bit over a week. So we thought, obviously, if you listen to this show, we love talking classic pro wrestling. And uh, this is kind of a good way to set the stage for a show we're going to be doing next week when we uh, put out a new edition of Top Rope Nation Classics, our Patreon bonus show. So if you want to support the show and hear those bonus shows, head on over to patreon.com slash Nation. The link is uh, in the description of the podcast or the video. If you're here on YouTube, 
Uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. So if you enjoy the show, you'll probably enjoy that one. And uh, Kyle, you put the agenda together for us tonight. We've got some great, I think, historical questions to look at as far as uh, the best Rumbles, the best uh, non-Royal Rumble matches at the pay-per-view titled the Royal Rumble. We're going to be talking about uh, some Rumble winners that we may have changed if we could go back in time and a few other things as well. So uh, before we dive into it, I do want to say, of course, that uh, we're brought to you by the Blue Wire Podcasting Network. Check out bluewirepods.com for all of your podcasting needs. And if you're listening on one of the podcasting platforms, whether that is Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, wherever you get podcasts, please hit that subscribe button. Leave us a five-star rating. We would appreciate it very much. A written review with your Twitter or Instagram username. And I'll contact you, and I'll send you a free Top Rope Nation sticker in the mail. Free merch. All you got to do is leave us a nice written review on Apple Podcasts. And like I said, we are on YouTube as well. All of our shows go up on YouTube.com. Subscribe to the channel, YouTube.com slash Top Rope Nation. We will be live after next weekend's Royal Rumble, breaking the show down, a live post show. Would love to have you join us. It's going to be a lot of fun. Subscribe to the channel so you don't forget and you don't miss it. So, uh, Kyle, would you uh, like to introduce our first question of the night? Okay, sure. So, when breaking down, uh, you know, the history of the Royal Rumble, uh, you know, Justin Joint came up with that, a lot of these, actually. And I just kind of, you know, took a lot of his legwork and passed it off as my own, quite frankly, first of all, which is always the, you know... <laughs> I believe we call that the podcast. Yes. Yeah. Justin is the real brains behind this yes. operation. But, sure. uh, you know, but, but hey, I put the pen to the paper, so I'll take the credit. You know, the good ones uh, borrow, the great ones steal or something like that. Anyway, uh, you think about the Royal Rumble. I think most people, and I'd be interested if you two would agree. I hope not. Otherwise, this might be an awkward first question we're going to do. Uh, <laughs> 1992, the best Royal Rumble ever, I think, by leaps and bounds. I do not believe it is close. I think the, one of the more substantial gaps, if you were to rank all the rumbles, actually exists between 92 and whatever you think number two is. Would you guys concur with that assessment? I would. Justin? Yeah, I'd say so. I think I think the thing about it that's so great is you have so many different elements that make that match great. You know, it's a title match. You have Ric Flair, you know, just one of the great rumble performances of all time. You've got the great flare promo afterwards i mean in every sense of the word it's the total package right it, it's the well, best it, oh go ahead justin I, I was just gonna say it has one flaw and and that's that flare didn't win at mania because to me the the rumble and in wrestlemania are kind of linked mm -hmm. they weren't as much back then but but to me they were or are business backs up your assessment there justin because business and you know i maybe it's not fair uh, to just pin it all on one thing because Hogan left, obviously, and there was a lot of backstage drama in 1992 in the WWF, but business collapsed after WrestleMania 8. And uh, Meltzer has written numerous times how the money was in Savage chasing Flair for the title. Once kind of Savage beat him for the title, and, and you watch that TV, you can watch the superstars. It's all, all on the network. The heat was gone, man. I mean, the world title program is almost persona non grata on television for about a month after Mania, which is, is no good. But... Um, you know, with Flair piggybacking off something Ryan said earlier, it is, in my opinion, without question, the greatest individual effort in a Rumble, um, hands down. He, I mean, he is the focus of the entire match. You know, guys who are dead in the water, like Kerry Von Erich and Greg Valentine come in to this thing, 
in 92. I mean, they're not doing anything, those guys in 92. And for like two minutes, you think it's 1982 again. Well, no, They're working but, with Flair. You know, giving Flair all that praise, don't you? I mean, I think you lose a lot if you take away Heenan from commentary. I mean, I, I think that might be 50-50 with Flair and Heenan. Ah! I don't know about 50 50, but yes, Heenan's. I, I think, in terms of commentary enhancing a match's greatness, I'm not sure there is a more shining example than Heenan and Monsoon in that match. Yeah. I, I just don't. I mean, because you're, I mean, like Heenan just like cheering and being very much a part of the match. Um, yeah, completely uh, helps it out. So, okay, we're all in agreement 92 is the best Royal Rumble of all time. Uh, for God's sake, we did a Ric Flair draft and Justin picked it number one and I was mad. Yeah, I mean, that should true. tell you uh, all you need to know. Uh, all right. So I think a very interesting question. This is going to be our first question of the night. And it's something that I have spent days upon days studying for this podcast. Rewatched uh, six rumbles in the last six days oh my God. to do this. It's awesome. Amazing. What is the second best Royal Rumble in history? Would anyone like to start the proceedings? Well, okay. I've done, I, I wasn't able to rewatch as many as I would have liked, <clears throat> but man, I, it's, it's probably too high and there's certainly recency bias, but, but looking at it, like I kind of got like a, a top eight and I really want to say 2020 might be number two for me. I mean, it, it's kind of, it's considered got, it. Yeah. It's got the whole shebang. It's got a, a great narrative uh, throughout the match. It's got one of the all-time surprise entrances in Edge, and it's got a meaningful winner who, it, I mean, it, it made Drew McIntyre, you know, because he went on to win at WrestleMania, and he's basically been the, the world champ for the entire year. And, you know, it's shocking with how many Royal Rumbles there, there's been, that hasn't happened very many times where they've actually used the rumble to make a guy. Okay. Can, can I, I want to go back to Justin, Ryan, before I forget this point, yeah. because he's mentioned this twice now. And it's a, another question I want to ask both of you. What do you look for in a rumble? Like what makes a great rumble to you? Justin has mentioned now twice the link that it has to WrestleMania. Is that something, Justin, that matters to you? Like, Hey, this guy won the rumble. How did he do the rest of the year? Does that affect yeah. how you grade a Royal rumble? 1000% because I really liked 2018, but then, you know, Shinsuke went on to kind of have a boring feud with AJ. That was just all them punching each other in the dick. Yeah. I'm a dick punching. Oh. So yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, there's a lot of great rumbles out there that have guys that went on to lose at mania, but there were still great rumbles. I mean, you look at uh Cena in 2008, that was a good rumble with a great Cena surprise, but uh, his mania match was kind of meaningless. And yeah, I think it does hurt the rumble because it is tied to mania. The winner goes on to main event. Yeah. Well said. I, I think I factor that into mine as well. Like the legacy of the match, as far as it has to be tied to be memorable to WrestleMania, usually. Now, again, 92 is a little bit different because it was, you know, for the title. Uh, but, yeah, I look for, like, a, a good performance out of the winner, for sure. I look for that Mania link. Uh, maybe memorable uh, interactions during the match. Like, of course, the McIntyre-Lesnar thing last year was freaking awesome. 
Remember when at the beginning of last year's Rumble, how, you know, with Brock eliminating everybody, people were kind of shitting on it for a while. And then as it went on and went on, at least on social, they were. But then as it went on, it was like, well, it's unique, though. And they're probably setting up something big. And people started to realize it was probably going to be with Drew. And I mean, they played it perfectly. I, I would agree with Justin. This one immediately came to mind to me as one to consider. Um, the other ones I had on my list, or I'll just do one other one. And I've, I've thrown this one out um, in our in our group text, but uh, the 2004 Rumble, now I need to go back and watch it. I did not go back and watch it. And I know, Kyle, you've kind of said it hasn't aged as well, maybe. But at the time, I remember say, saying to myself and saying to friends and maybe even to Justin at the time that uh, the 04 Rumble was like, I thought the second best Rumble, clearly to that point in time. And I thought uh, with Chris Redacted, as we like to say on this yeah. program, I thought him winning was very memorable. It was one of those things that like hardcore fans loved to see. Justin, you threw out in our text earlier today about that being, you know, a time where the company booked towards what the hardcore fans were really wanting to see. And then you have his title win at Mania. Now, of course, it's been tarnished by what ended up unfolding three years later on the tragedy there. But I love the 2004 Rumble at the time. So some of this is nostalgia you know, and me looking back on it in that fashion, but, um, 2004 and yeah, go ahead. I, I was just gonna say, I, I 1000% agree with you. Um, I would have to go back and rewatch it, but not having done that, I probably would have said that would have been probably an almost easy number two for me, but, um, I it's still think it might be one of the, if not the best final elimination, uh, in rumble history. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, yeah. It's, it's just, it's just hard to, put it in any kind of list considering yeah they built that well when him him uh getting big show out of there you know how they did that was very well done um circling back to the question i asked you guys you know what do you look for um yeah that mania link certainly plays a factor you know what did the winner go on and do was it something that you know affected the promotion moving forward um obviously drew mcintyre like justin mentioned you know, went on to win the title at WrestleMania. He has been basically the champion ever since, except for the cup of coffee Randy Orton had. Um, this might be very simple, but I think it's really something that needs to be drilled home. I want to be entertained with a variety of stories for 60 minutes. You know, I, I think you look at a lot of these more modern rumbles, and it's just a steady stream of people coming out. You know, I, I mentioned this in the pod a few weeks ago, I believe, where um, you know, someone once got very upset at me when I mentioned, you know, I liked it better when Pat was booking the rumble. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, they, they didn't take that too well. But, you know, Pat used to have, you know, it'd be very segmented and, you know, there'd be stuff. And it's easy to remember, you know, there's one rumble that, you know, actually has the highest rating at Cage Match 2007. Okay. And that rumble, I think everyone remembers, and rightly so, for the closing sequence between Sean and Taker. But I, that was one of the ones I rewatched. Man, is there a lot of nothing happening in the first 45 minutes of that match? Hmm. It's just kind of guys filled up. And yeah, the closing sequence is great. It really, it was the first rumble where a number 31 and, you know, Undertaker with his streak, you know, that was a big deal. Him winning the rumble and going on to Mania to challenge for a title. But, you know, there's a lot of dead air in the first 45 minutes of that. So that's why that's like not my number two pick. Um, As much as I don't want to pick anything modern, 2020 does have a legit argument to the number two spot. It, it's uniqueness, and I mentioned this to you 
uh, the both of you, I think, when we were talking over the weekend, the whole deal with Brock is great. If, if you don't like that, you're actually just wrong. Like, I just don't know what to say. Like, th- there's never been anything else like that in another Rumble where one guy controls the ring to that degree. And you're right. By the time he gets eliminated, I mean, that reaction Drew gets is huge. And that's what you want. Um, and, man, I know there's Brock fatigue is a real thing in this last couple of years. But you go back and watch that match and seeing a star portrayed as a star. It's crazy when you watch that and you watch WWE TV now on a weekly basis uh, just a year later. So it has an argument. Uh, 2004, Ryan, you mentioned at the time, probably the second best Rumble ever. I would agree with that. Uh, Meltzer, his review just went up on F4W Online today. As a matter, wow. or a couple of days ago, as a matter of fact, and in his review, he said this was probably the second best rumble of all time, and that's the way I felt at the time. Now you talk about how you grade rumbles. I think what happens with Chris Benoit has to affect your viewpoint of that match more more so almost than any other Benoit match, maybe besides the Mania Triple Threat. Where it's like the the feeling of joy that a lot of us had is kind of not there. Yeah, I think that's a very fair statement to make. Um, pros of that match still, I, I went back and watched it. Is it sets up four mania matches, which is damn impressive. I don't know if there's another Rumble that's done that. Four. It sets obviously Benoit in the main event, Lesnar Goldberg, because Lesnar interferes and attacks Goldberg. Undertaker Kane, it's the first tease of that, the return of the dead man, and uh, Foley Orton, which is the highlight of the match. Foley's return to kick Randy Orton's ass is absolutely the highlight of that match. Uh, So that's in the discussion. Um, 2008, Justin mentioned it. I I just rewatched that, like an hour before we started doing this podcast. The Cena surprise is an all-timer. And I actually think the closing sequence of that rivals 07. um, And it's more entertaining before. The first 45 minutes. So 08 to me is a better rumble than 07. But a rumble that I keep coming back to that not a lot of people talk about. I don't know if it's the second best rumble, but it's damn sure the most underrated rumble is 2005. I watched it back to back with 04 and they're pretty close. But 05 just comes out slightly ahead for me. I watched it back to back with my buddy Chad and he was like going in like, oh, there's no way that's as good as 04. And when it was over, he's like, yeah, I think it is better than 04. Hmm. And, you know, I, I don't know last time you guys watched this match, but there is so much like cool stuff going on here. The Daniel Pewter hazing segment is an all-timer. I, I know Daniel Pewter, I mean, he talking about a cup of coffee. I met Daniel Pewter, by the way. I could tell you a great story about Did him. Take him down. No, he was much tougher than me. Uh, still believed he could have taken taken down Kurt Angle too. But you know, I mean, look, a lot of people will call that haze. You know, what with Benoit Guerrero and Holly just beating the shit out of him and just chopping him all down. A lot of people say that's mean spirited. It's hazing. I call it entertaining. I think it was absolutely fantastic. And the Raw SmackDown brand split gets over the Muhammad Hassan elimination. Is an entertaining bit. You get the uh, beginning of the Angle-Michaels feud in that match. Uh, Edge is a great anchor. Edge, who had a breakout 05, is a great anchor in that match. And then it comes down to the two future stars, Batista and Cena. Yeah. Um, 
And, and I know some people want to criticize that they botched the finish. I'm going to be honest with you. I didn't know that was a botch until years later. <laughs> with them both going over. Yeah. I just thought they were protecting Cena. And I think it adds to the match. So I'm, to me, it's one of two. It's either 05 or last year is the second best rumble. I, I, I'm oh, having a hard nice. time deciding. But, yeah. um, you know, I, I just watched 08, and I don't think it's as good as 05 or 04. You know, it's interesting. Both of them, uh, last year and 2005, kind of the jumping off point for yes. Drew McIntyre and Batista. You know, yes. that I mean, that was literally the start for both those guys. Yeah, yeah. and but Batista, man, people forget how just red hot he was and how great that storyline was with – uh, you, you could see it coming. Everyone knew it was coming, you know, that he was going to ditch evolution. But, you know, again, and it, it, not to circle back to today's manure that we're given, but <laughs> why, why surprise elements can be overrated sometimes. We all knew Batista was going to eventually turn and he was going to choose Triple H to challenge him. But, like, the way they made you wait for it and executed that turn with the contract signing – I mean, that moment, man, is so good when Flair and Triple H think they've got him and they're giving him the thumbs up, especially Nate with that big <laughs> grin on his face. And Batista's yeah. like giving him the thumbs up back and then he just goes, and the crowd goes ape shit. Yeah. Dude, I mean, that was a well-done storyline. And, and, you know, there, there's a lot of stuff in 05. I could get into it. I know we have a poll. Uh, it was my contribution to that poll for Patreon. And uh, I would love to go over that show in full detail. I think it might be the second best rumble. To your point about 2005 and Batista, it just kind of popped in my head. Uh, in January 05, I turned 21 years old and uh, was going to the bars a lot. And probably like you guys, when you go out with your friends that are wrestling fans, you end up, by the end of the night, talking a lot of pro wrestling lo- loudly at the bar. Mm-hmm. And when I think back to the year that I was 21, going to the bars every single week, my good buddy Jeremy, who was a big wrestling fan, we talked about Batista all the time. I just, like It just pops in my head thinking about those nights out and like my my buddy jeremy was like always talking about batista in 2005 he was yeah he was the thing man people he was so over to your point it's uh that is that is one to revisit i think uh i say this sometimes on the pod that uh you always say something kyle that makes me want to watch something while i'm editing the show afterwards i think the 2005 rumble is what i'm gonna be putting on tonight because uh yeah it's a good one something that's needs to be said with Batista and just how hot he was at that time period, that mania did unbelievable business. Um, the only manias that have done better in terms of pay-per-view buys were 17. And then the ones where they bought celebrities like Trump, Mayweather, or The Rock, when The Rock was a celebrity and no longer, like I consider The Rock's appearances 27, 28, 29. That's a celebrity appearance mm-hmm. uh, to me. So, you know, they did it with an actual storyline doing over a million buys. Um, you just don't see that anymore. Uh, people were very invested in that storyline. And yeah, there's just a lot of good stuff in that rumble. And it, it's not one um, I see mentioned in the discussion for number two. It has a strong cage match rating. I was very pleased to see that. And uh, yeah, I think you can make the argument it's number two. Sorry, real, real, real quick. One more uh, fun little tidbit, although not as fun now, about 2005. Uh, it started off one and two with Eddie and Redacted, the yeah, two guys it, who finished WrestleMania 20 together. Yeah, and they are great anchors. You know, 
that's something too. We get back to this big picture question: What do we look for in a rumble? It's really important who starts the match. I think that they, you know, can anchor it for a while. And and Chris and Eddie were great. I mean, not just in that pewter segment where like Eddie's doing like if you guys have never seen it, he like he's encouraging Holly and Benoit just to chop the shit out of pewter, and they're just hammering this kid. I mean blasting him with chops and Guerrero's like doing the Hulk Hogan thing to the crowd. Like, Oh, who's louder. I mean, it's yeah. They do both do a really good job in that match. The economy is made up of real people doing real stuff and it affects everything, which you obviously know since you're a real person doing real stuff. Marketplace is here to help you get smart about everything beyond the what of the day's business and economic news. We dig into the how and the why with the real people driving our economy. From big tech and interest rates to small businesses and what's happening at the Fed, Marketplace breaks it all down so you don't have to. Listen to Marketplace wherever you get your podcasts. All right. So our next one we have, Kyle, memorable rumble wins. So when you think of like the most memorable victories for you guys uh, as a fan, where you were, you know, I mentioned Benoit in 2004. It's it's hard to, for people that weren't watching wrestling at the time and only know Benoit for the tragedy, it's hard to, like, get across to you how big it was at the time. Because Benoit was kind of like that internet darling that all the hardcores loved and, you know, wanted to see get that world title run at some point. And it was, like, years and years and years in the making. So if you weren't, if you, if you weren't watching at the time, it's really hard to not justify it, but to like, to get you to understand what it was like at the time. I mean, like when he won the title at WrestleMania 20, it was one of those things where like longtime fans had tears in their eyes watching it. Now, obviously today we don't watch it in the same way and it definitely takes away from his rumble win now. But at the time that was super memorable, um, for me, you know, Justin, you talked a lot about Drew McIntyre last year. Uh, and for a lot of reasons that's super memorable because, it's the last big show with the crowd as we're here a year later, you know, with a crowd that big, a stadium crowd, I should say, uh, which it makes it, he got just such a huge pop that night in Houston. That's a memorable one. But as far as your fandom goes, Justin, what stands out for you as being some of the most memorable? Well, as we've already kind of said, for me, it's, uh, you know, preferably it'd be the winner of a good rumble match. That always helps. Uh, but it, it, it's it's the moment. Does it feel like the right person or does it feel like a bit of a surprise or what did it do for the person's career? And, you know, as we've already talked about, uh, Flair is up there and probably my top three uh, redacted would be probably an easy number two if he hadn't become a murderer. Um, and besides that, I, I think Drew McIntyre is getting there. And uh, another big one. You could look at HBK in 95 or probably would be number three for me would be Austin in 97. He had had the King of the Ring promo. He was coming off that Survivor Series with Bret Hart. Then he has this uh, a really a really fun rumble win, you know, where he kind of underhandedly throw Bret's out and he has I, one, of, one of the all-time great gifts in, in moments in <laughs> rumble history when he's sitting on the top rope looking at the watch. Yes. <laughs> Um, and then it leads into WrestleMania 13, which uh, makes Stone Cold Steve Austin the icon that he was. Um, so those are the big ones. You know, you could also throw Becky Lynch 19 in there, but she was already kind of a big deal outside of that. Uh, but it did help her. 
Uh, Nakamura would be up there if he'd gone on to do anything, but that didn't happen. Um, so the one other big one I'd throw in there, and it's one of the worst Royal Rumbles, but it's utterly unforgettable and it's made the past six years and it kind of made the wrestler until this past year is Reigns in 15. You you can put him in that same Batista and Drew McIntyre where that rumble, <laughs> I wish you guys could see the face on Kyle Ross right now. <laughs> I mean, for better or worse, it, it made him. It, if Even if you just look at his kayfabe, he won the Royal. He went on, got kind of screwed at WrestleMania. Um, but he was a big deal from then on. He was a main eventer. Go ahead, Kyle. Um, okay. Um, Flair, I, when I watched 92, that still gives me all the feels, man. When, when that finish happens, you know, when Hogan's tugging on Sid like an asshole and Flair comes from behind and dumps him and Heenan just starts going, yes, 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 yes. I, I still mark out to this day when I, I watch that. But uh, I want to piggyback actually off Justin. If you're looking at an individual performance or a memorable win, I think you've got to look to the only three-time winner, Steve Austin, not just 97, but also 98 as well. Um, I always thought there was... You know, we could talk about what Benoit became. Obviously, we've mentioned it a number of times. But there was a, always a giant gap between 92 and 04 because Flair's performance in 92 is vastly superior to Benoit's in 04. There are times in the 04 match where Benoit just kind of like disappears. And you see that a lot in modern Rumbles, When even when they have the guy go, you know, someone like a Finn Balor in 2018. Yeah, they're in there the whole time, but they're not the focus of the match. Sometimes they're just, you know, laying on the ground for a while. That's not the case with Ric Flair. Ric Flair is literally, again, the focus of the match the entire time. His individual performance outshines everybody. But Austin in 97 might be number two. Because, I mean, that roster is not awesome at that point at all. And he carries that match until Bret Hart comes in. Mm -hmm. Carries it. It was the uh, most eliminations for a single guy uh, until Kane in 2001. Yeah, I mean, it was, the I think, the second iteration of, you know, what I'll call the Diesel push. You know, Diesel, you know, basically <laughs> saved his job in 94 the way he was booked, and Austin did it, and, I mean, he was getting over, man. I mean, you, you could feel watching that match the tide turning and the baby face turn on its way. You, you, you could just feel it watching that match. So, you know, him winning, it – it's funny because he really didn't do a lot between King of the Ring and the Heart Match at Survivor Series. He was almost kind of on ice. Can you tell me who? Can you tell me who he wrestled at SummerSlam? Yokozuna fell off the rope. Oh, goddamn! <laughs> um, but wasn't that a kickoff know, show match? Yeah, yes. free for all or whatever. So, yeah. Now, do you guys know the story of '97? Him winning. He was not supposed to win the match originally. But Vince Russo went on Livewire and blabbed that Bret Hart was going to win. And they changed it <laughs> because of that. And, man, did that change WWE history, I think. Yeah. Because if Austin doesn't win that match, I think he gets frozen out of the main event picture. And he may not – I mean, we know the, the original plan was not him and Bret at – Mania it was Brett and Sean, and then mm. you know Sean, you know, forgets a smile. I think I think Austin was supposed to work like Davy Boy Smith, for which 
I, I still don't know how they were going to get there, but um, that that was huge. And then '98, I mean, you could you talk about feeling the tides turning. I mean, that promotion, how hot it got at the start of '98, when it appeared to be on death's door in the wake of Montreal, is stunning. And it's all Steve Austin, mm-hmm. all Steve Austin. And you know, again, that's a match. The roster's weak. That matters in the Rumble. How is the, how strong is your roster going to the match? Because it's just thirty people running out, right? So if you have a lot of you know jobbers, it's not going to get over. But um, you know the roster's not strong. But Austin, everyone knew he was going to win. But it's an entertaining Rumble. So in terms of memorable wins, I, I would go with Austin those two years. Yeah. '97 was just such a complex thing because it, it led to obviously the the final four match the next month. Um, it played into Brett's heel turn where he was pissed off by getting screwed. He quits the company on Raw. The night after, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, I, 97 does have to rank high. I think that's a good a good choice for sure. Um, I was really fired up when Sean won in 95 a lot as a big Shawn Michaels fan, but that, that rumble is just like a 30-minute – I talked about this in the Facebook group. God, you talk about a weak roster. How yeah. about the the confused crowd when the second Blue Brother comes out after the first one's been eliminated <laughs> and they just think it's the same guy because they haven't been introduced on TV yet? Yeah. Who grin, greenlit that? <laughs> yeah, it's uh, yeah, it's it's memorable because he went bell, you know, bell to bell, but uh, and and also you know, like I wasn't on the internet in 1995 and I was only kind of sparingly watching at that point, but. You know, Sean was one of those guys that was like beloved by the internet too. So it was, you know, probably uh, similar to like the Benoit thing, where it was this guy that was kind of like the darling of the hardcore fans, and he got this showcase to enter number one and actually won the Rumble. And you know, I could see how that would rank high for people. Yeah, I think with him though, it was more of a formality that he. I mean, they made it pretty clear he was going to win, and I think him coming in number one and win. Remember, it was just minute intervals that year. That was their way to kind of ramp up some drama it was a smart move quite frankly yeah. um to, to do but uh you know with benoit you know is obvious it is in retrospect that he was going to win that match you didn't believe it because promotions just didn't put over chris benoit and yeah. put him in main events for wrestlemania so um yeah but but it, it is sim- a little bit similar in that regard so our next question here on the list um what Rumble winner would you change? Now, this was a tough one when I started thinking about this one. Uh, if you could go back in time and choose one of them, or at least one, maybe maybe have a couple, of uh, who, who would you change uh, winning the Rumble to somebody else? There was like two that stood out in my mind. Um, I don't know if I want to go first again or not. I don't want to say both of them because it might take one of yours. Can I ask a question? Because I wonder if it's it might be on both of yours. Okay. What is the worst part of 2015? Is it the fact that Reigns wins or is it the way the match is laid out with Daniel Bryan getting tossed early? Hmm. I mean, probably both. They were just, if they were going to go with Reigns and not Bryan, that's just a no win situation. That That's number one on my list, by the way, I would, I would go with Daniel Bryan for that Royal Rumble. In 15? Yeah. So I actually had on my list, Brian, in, in 2014. 
Uh, that was the one, the Batista one, when he came back, and like the the fans all wanted Brian, right? <laughs> and he wasn't even in the match. <laughs> he wasn't yeah. even the match. He lost to Bray Wyatt Appar- earlier in the card. Appar- apparently, they did not read the program yeah. that they were handed. And it really screwed up Batista, who you remember they wanted to be a babyface, even though Batista wanted to be a heel uh, when he came back, <laughs> uh, and didn't go over well at all. So I think you look at you look at 2014. Definitely both of them. You can make the case for Brian. Well, the uh, thing, 2014 the thing was, also stands out for me. Yeah, I had considered 14, but I think the way that uh, worked out actually added to the Daniel Bryan storyline. Mm-hmm. In hindsight, being 2020, it's like I actually don't want to change that. Now, the only thing I would change about that is, is you would have made Batista the heel who thinks he's a baby face, you know, like mm-hmm. the Hollywood guy. I think that's that that would have been the way to go. Yeah, I kind of agree with Justin on 2014 that I think. Well, as dumb as it was in the moment, 2014, I think Brian being shafted out of even being in the match only strengthened him as a baby face um, and maybe enhanced the story. With 2015, I am very adamant that the way the match was booked is worse than Reigns actually going over. And I'll make this comparison contrast for you. It's like if in 94, Bret Hart was tossed early and it just became obvious Lex Luger was going to win. Yeah. Hmm. Okay. And so, it, okay, But how could they have saved it then? It's very simple. Daniel Bryan and Roman Reigns should have been the last two guys. And, and even if Roman wins, yeah, the crowd's going to be pissed. But the reason the 2015 Royal Rumble is the worst Rumble, and it is the worst Rumble ever, is because halfway through the match, you have killed the audience and the match dead. I mean, mm. the crowd, as soon as Daniel Bryan gets tossed, and I think he like comes out fairly early, Yeah, you know it's over. You know who's going to win. The crowd doesn't want that person to win, and they literally spend 35 to 40 minutes booing a match. Name me another match in pro wrestling history where the crowd has shit on it <laughs> for over a half hour. This was Philadelphia, wasn't it? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Okay, yeah. I mean, you, you just don't see that. I mean, it's one thing to have Reigns go over. It's another thing to have him go over like that. And again, I, I, I mentioned this on the show. Peel back the curtain a little bit. This is not something a lot of people have shared on the internet. Vince McMahon, I mean, think about what it takes to get Vince McMahon to apologize. He apologized to his creative team because that was his call. And I'm telling you right now, I'll swear on my grave. Vince McMahon apologized for the way that match was laid out to his creative team and said, you guys were all right. I was wrong. Oops. <laughs> so... That's an um, exclusive here on Top Rope yes. Nation. Don't believe that, that story has ever been told yeah, anywhere. That, so, yeah, that, so do you get, sorry, go, go ahead. ahead. I was going to move on. <laughs> uh, I, I don't know if that's the, the thing is, though. That's on my list. I don't know if I necessarily change it because I think it's just the way the match was done that was worse than who actually went over. Although, I mean, you can make a pretty clear argument with the story of Brian coming back. Um, he should have gone over. And the fact that Reigns doesn't win anyway at WrestleMania kind of makes it seem even more silly. Yeah. And maybe I will just pick that one because 2016 and 2017 were my other options. <laughs> Mine too. <laughs> and here's the problem, though. And, I, and I'll throw it back to you. Who are your new winners? Because in my notes, I have... Anyone but Triple H, anyone but Randy Orton. But I don't, I can't like center on an obvious alternative like Brian in 2015. I, uh, I guess this is cheating, 
but for 16, I would have had the just like the main event of the show be Reigns versus Triple H for the world title and have Reigns win. And then you have Lesnar win Thor Royal Rumble and you redo 31. Because 30 that 31 main event was a banger between yes. Lesnar and Reigns. I actually completely agree with that booking. That's absolutely the exact way I would have done it. Yes. And and if I continued my fantasy booking, it would have led to Triple H and Shane McMahon at 32. Which would have been more logical than Shane McMahon and The Undertaker. Because I still don't know why The Undertaker would have cared that much about Shane McMahon having control of Raw. <laughs> still hasn't really been explained. <laughs> maybe, maybe Shane McMahon's secretly a liberal. Oh, hey, oh. There's another exclusive. No. <laughs> I don't think he is. No, I don't, think so. I don't think so. Oh. I know the ballot's secret and all, but I have a guess who Shane voted for in 2020 and 2016. I'm uh, I'm surprised nobody mentioned 2011. I had 2011 on my list. Uh, Kyle, I think you mentioned earlier Del Rio winning the 2011 Rumble was atrocious. Mm-hmm. Well, here's the problem with the 2011 Rumble. So 2011-2016, I-, I have them ranked as the... Uh, kind of similar in terms uh, I think they're ill-conceived rumbles. It's not yeah. that they're horrible, like bad matches. I think just think, you know, Reigns putting up the title in 2016 was dumb and like how he disappears for part of the match. And then with 2011, look, you could do a 40 man rumble in 2021 with the size of this roster. Right. But when you talk about promotions with deep rosters, I don't think anyone ever mentions 2011 WWE. Mason Ryan? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I just, I'm looking at that rumble with Del Rio winning. And then now if you change the winner to what I would propose, it's going to domino effect. It's going to change some other memorable stuff that happens. So you, you could pick someone else. But when you look at where CM Punk was at that point in his career, he was thinking about leaving the company. Obviously, he gets so frustrated. He has the pipe bomb promo later in the year, in the summer, and then has the memorable Money in the Bank match with, with Punk. But he he was given a pretty top spot in that match. He's in the match, I believe, longer than anybody. I think he has the most eliminations in the 2011 Rumble. Uh, you easily could have had him win the 2011 Rumble and uh, go on to work Edge at Mania, because Del Rio worked Edge at Mania 27. Uh, you know, I think you could have done that. You know, you had Cena, what Cena and Miz was the other world title match, I believe. Yes. Uh, yeah. So probably edge and punk. That would have been a pretty, pretty good WrestleMania match. I would think a lot more memorable than Del Rio and edge. So I think when you look at the winners of the Royal rumble, like that Alberto Del Rio win just really stands out. Like what the hell were they doing? Alberto Del Rio? Really? Like I remember people at the time shocked too. It wasn't like in the moment it made sense. People were why Alberto Del Rio? He was one of those guys that it's just like, oh, he's going to be the next, you know, Latin star. You know, this is going to get. And I just never saw it with. I know it's easy to say a decade later, but man, I I just never saw it with Alberto Del Rio. You know, it's even all. easier to say because he turned into a gigantic piece of shit. Yeah, he's not a good person. He's <laughs> no. not a good person. Uh, he's you a, know, not a good person at all. Uh, second worst record, uh, criminal record of anyone to win a Royal Rumble, I believe. <laughs> Fair. <laughs> yep. Uh, I mean, it's a distant second, but you know, yes, yeah. you know, there we go. Um, 
So yeah, at 2011, yeah, it was not good. It's funny because a lot of these, I struggle who I replaced in 2017, Justin. I think you said you had that on your list to consider. My mine's simple, um, and it's not oh. really excite. It's not exciting at all. I just would have had Bray win it instead of Randy. Oh. You could have still done that story with Randy winning that elimination chamber. And what if you did a story where that storyline never happened? I have a. I didn't love everything about <laughs> it, but I've oh, got a no. soft. I've got a bit of a soft oh, spot no. for that story. <laughs> I was in the building in the Citrus Bowl. Yes. When worms appeared on the wrestling mat, and I said, "My God, I knew I've done drugs, but I didn't know they were this good." <laughs> Haunted <laughs> your dreams ever since. Haunted your yeah. dreams. And the thing that makes oh, it hard is man. that was one of those manias where there wasn't really a clear main event. Right? There was like four or five kind of co-main events, mm-hmm. and it's like, well, okay, you could have this person, but like, it doesn't really alter the trajectory. So, like, I kind of struggled, you know. Um, choosing an alternative to Randy Orton. I just think like the idea of Randy Orton winning the Royal Rumble 2017 was kind of bad. Yeah. So, yeah, those are the ones not surprising to me. Um, All modern options that we went with for the, who would you change? Is there any old one (laughs) that you would look at that you might change? I mean, we've, we've talked about it, you know, a handful of times, but I like your fantasy booking of WrestleMania 11 which would what make Bret Hart the winner of uh, yes. that Royal Rumble? Yeah, I mean that's massive fantasy rebooking. Yeah, so like I yeah, didn't yeah, consider. Yeah. yeah, um, you know we mentioned '94. I don't. And Justin, you agreed with me in the text. I don't hate the tie finish in '94. No, it's very memorable. It, it oh. may be one of the best bits of uh, live market research Titan Sports has ever done. Because you know they didn't know who they who should be the cha- babyface champion, Bret or Lex. So they had him tie. And they sat back and were like, all right, who's the crowd reacting to more? And it was mm-hmm. Brett. And they made the right choice. Yeah. Um, God, Brett's selling the knee when he comes out. Oh, it's yeah. unbelievable. Yes. Early God, in the that- night, working the Quebecers. Yes. PCO, Top Rope Nation alum. Check out that interview in the archives. <laughs> that might be the best selling of a knee I've ever seen in pro wrestling. Brett Hart at that show. Yeah. Because remember like a couple spots earlier, no one comes out. And you're like, and Vince McMahon's like, that must have been Bret Hart. Yeah. He right. wanted to be in this so bad. Yep. And like DB, Ted DiBiase, who a random commentator for that show, was like laughing. And then two spots later, Bret comes out and the crowd just loses its shit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I yeah. like that. Um, I thought of one more. I think it's an important one. I, I think in 91, you got to go tugboat eliminating Hogan to win the Royal Rumble. <laughs> Let me tell you something. I think you, I've said this on another podcast, and I'm going to stand by it. Okay. I think you basically do the 92 finish a year earlier. Hogan is Hogan, Tugboat is Sid, Randy Savage is Ric Flair. And Randy Savage wins that Rumble. And I think you do Warrior Savage as a title program at WrestleMania. Yeah. I like it. I like that one too. Chic tugboat. Yeah, chic tugboat. <laughs> My God. Yeah. I can't believe the way Fred Ottman disrespected this country. You know, some people might want to mention John Studd <laughs> in 89, but that's, you know, the Rumble wasn't linked with Mania yet. Yeah. And they, no. you know, I mean, John Studd did suck in 1989, like that. 
But the plan was to push him, um, you know, whether or not you should have anticipated that John Studd would stink um, down the stretch is a discussion for another day. But was, was Andre in that Royal Rumble? He was. He was eliminated due to his fear of snakes. Ah, uh, oh yeah, that fine storyline. <laughs> yeah. All right, let's talk. Our, our last question here is uh, the best non-Rumble matches in the history of the pay-per-view, and mm. frankly, there's been a lot of them. <laughs> yeah, been, uh, quite a few as I went through the cards and remembered some of these, and uh, I'm sure almost all of them on my list are going to uh, be mentioned. I think I've I've mentioned the first few things on the last couple, so I'll let I'll let Justin Joint have first at it. Let's just kind of keep going around the horn, mentioning one at a time, and this will probably go for a little bit. Um, I think possibly my single favorite non-Rumble match at, from the Royal Rumble is Triple H and Cactus Jack from 2000. It's just, I, I, we've talked, once again, we've talked about it a thousand times, just a fantastic match that uh, probably more than anything else made Triple H. It totally yeah, did. Absolutely. Triple H should be sending checks in perpetuity to Mick Foley for that match. <laughs> Yep, that was on mine. That was first on my list as well. I think it's a two-horse race between that match and Cena versus Umaga at 07. Oh, wow. I knew I, I I came across that one, you're going through the cards, and that was the first thing that popped in my mind is you love that match. You've mentioned that before. If Hulk Hogan ever had a great match in the classic sense, it would have looked like John Cena Umaga. The superhero overcoming the big monster. You get the same blood you get in Triple H Cactus and the finish with John taking the ring rope, which has come undone, you know, Shades of the Heart Foundation rockers, um, and choking Umaga out the STFU while he's bloody is just so awesome. It's just such a great visual. Um, Umaga, so talented. I, I think, you know, he's someone who has sadly been, you know, kind of just his career was swept on the rug. He was so good in 2006, 2007. Um, for God's sake, they used him in the Donald Trump match. Yeah. Um, so um, it's it's one of those two. It, it's really hard to pick uh, between them. I, I think it's a 1A, 1B for me. There's a few other honorable mentions as well. I, I'm sure you may go through some of them, Ryan. Yeah. Um, I mean, as far as like a, a star rating match goes, you got to look towards uh, Styles and uh, Cena at 2017's Royal Rumble title match. See, I believe that was Cena's last world championship victory. It was. Uh, yeah. Number 16. I mean, that's, uh, you know, we're talking a year after Styles comes into the company, and uh, here he is having a show stealing match with the biggest, you know, post Austin and rock star in the company. Uh, there was a lot of people that, you know, Cena was kind of at this point working his way out of the company, but he has this, has this just blow away match with AJ Styles. that really turned a lot of heads. How good was AJ's first year in this company? Yeah. And how bland have the last four been? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I mean, that's, that's the one that, as far as like recent history goes, that's one that stands out to me. Um, for sure. I'm surprised there's one I, I, I just, have it in my notes, not going to mention because Ryan is definitely going to mention it. Brett Razor. That's on my list. Oh, no, not that one. No, no. I'm, I'm I thought shocked. you thought because I'm a big Bret Hart fan, but no. I, 
No, I, I, it's a match that I know you stand for before, rightfully so. And it would I, definitely be in my honorable mention. Okay, but can I say my number two? Maybe if that's it? Yeah, go sure. ahead. It'd be the triple threat, Lesnar, Cena, and Rollins. That was the match I was just talking about, yes. Yep. Yeah, from 2015. That would be my number two. I, I think with Chris Benoit morphing into Chris Redacted, <laughs> to beat that over the head one more time, you could make the case that that three-way from Rumble 2015 might be the best three-way in company history now. Because, like, I I just, yeah, I, I tried watching that Mania 23-way a couple years ago, and I'm just like, no. Yeah. Well, I mentioned this, so I'll talk about it. Brett Razor, I know, is not like a, a match that's scored super high on the uh, the star rating scales by people, but I've always really liked that match. You've wow. got... Yeah, you got early Razor Ramon getting you know his big push for the world title. You've got Bret Hart in his first championship reign at the time. I that was one I used to watch the Coliseum video of like all the time. Uh, there's a memorable like suicide dive spot in the match. You know, at a time when those didn't happen all that much to the outside. Like it's in the entrance way, I believe. Um, yeah, I I just always like Bret Razor because I like both of those guys a lot. Obviously, Bret was my favorite wrestler growing up. I always really liked the Razor Ramon character too, and that was kind of like that early high point for him and uh, big high-profile world championship feud. So I figured, like, because when you look at Bret Hart's Rumble matches, uh, matches at the Royal Rumble, I should say, you know, like the '94 Rumble stands out, the '97 Rumble stands out, the the match with the Quebecers with Owen and '94. I love really that good. match. Yeah, but as far as like a singles match, non-Rumble at the pay-per-view, you know, it's it's him and Razor. And, what about you know, him and Diesel, '95? Yeah, I, I like that match. It's it's all, it's all right. I I like the I like the Survivor Series match they had a lot more. So that kind of I takes would agree with that. It, takes away from it for me a little bit. Um, but uh, I mean, that's the next one for sure. But I I do I always felt like Bretton Razor was kind of underrated a little bit. Uh, I think there's two match of the year contenders that we have not discussed yet. Jericho and Redacted. From 01. Ladder match. There's another uh, redacted on one. Too. Yeah, I know. God, this freaking guy. Yep. This damn redacted. <laughs> I, I remember, I, I think it was uh, between the sheets. They were talking about Benoit. And at one point, Chris Zellner, one of, one of the co-hosts of the program, just goes, God damn it, this Chris Benoit was so good. Why? <laughs> <laughs> Why? <laughs> like, and, um, and then, God bless it, redacted an angle in 03. Yeah. yeah. Is also like you know I, I I think of some of these we mentioned that one might be lower than your Cena's and Styles the the Benoit Jericho the three way and the you know the two that I think are you know either or the Triple H Cactus and, and Cena Umaga but um, yeah I think those, those were the six that I had written down right there yeah I had seven matches on my list. Uh, again, the Brett Razor is kind of like a nostalgia thing, but as far as like in ring, really high level matches, those two angle matches are freaking awesome. With or, or the one angle match, Angle and Benoit, the two Benoit matches I meant, and then the Benoit Jericho match. But that uh, that Angle Benoit match in 03 was just like I remember the in the Observer, Dave really raving about it at the time, and Angle was like in the midst of the best in ring work of his career around that time, and that yes. match was like that was up there like as the best possibly the best match of his career at that point uh so yeah. that was yeah it's hard to leave that one off angle benoit 03 sure a, a match you mentioned a few moments ago ryan um when we were talking about rebooking rumbles daniel bryan and bray wyatt is like really awesome yeah. like that mm -hmm. is easily the best match of bray wyatt's career 
Uh, and then, you know, you want to do a throwback, just a, a personal throwback. I, I don't think this really has a leg to stand on. For, I was waiting for it. I think I know what you're going to say. For winning this question. Rockers Orient Express. Yep. 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 <laughs> a, you know, you compare it to the tag matches of that year, like in, that were going on the NWA. Maybe it's it's nothing to write home about, but man, like a, for a WWF tag match in that era, I mean, it's like by far the best. Did you say on uh, Liam's pod that that was like maybe the best tag match in WWF history to that point? As far as like on TV, yeah, yeah I, I think I think you could make the argument that it was. Um, mm. You know, whether it was something you know you could find on a house show that was better that escapes my mind, maybe. But um, yeah, I mean, that was just you know the Rockers were doing stuff. Uh, that you just didn't see on WWF television a lot. It's so weird. They're 91 because they were clearly at their peak, but they weren't really being pushed at all. And you could tell they were going to get broken up, you know, uh, midway through the year or something, or maybe three quarters of the way through the year. Did you guys consider um, Foley and the rock at all from 99? Or is it just because the violence and the headshots, you can't really put it up there. Cause it was I, so memorable at the time. I loved it at the time, but I there's you know I'm not going to go back and rewatch that. I have yeah. no interest in from what too- we know now with head injuries. Yeah. It's tough to watch. True story. So I was. It's funny. I have like all these memories of watching these various rumbles that I'm sure no one would care about listening to this podcast. But like '99, I was at like this freaking just tools house. <laughs> guy like sucked. Like I remember. <laughs> I remember. I was very adamant. I wanted to just watch it. In P, like um, this like girl I was dating at the time, like her friend. I was like, hey, you know, I'm just gonna freaking sit here and just watch it with them, and you know, not a awesome. I think like one buddy was gonna come over. I was like, I'm just gonna watch, and my one was like, no man, come over to this house. I'm like, I don't really freaking like that guy. That's kind of a freaking knob. And so, I, but anyway, because I'm a freaking weakling, I acquiesced to go over to this person's house, and I just had a miserable time watching that pay-per-view and the pay-per-view sucked. And I just like, I kind of just hate the 1999 Royal Rumble even more than most people. Just because I just remember this, like I can't remember the guy's name. He was just so shitty. <laughs> Actually, I do remember his name, but I don't really want to talk about him. <laughs> but yeah. Uh, the 99 Rumble is freaking awful. Just uh, uh, another ill conceived. I'll say this. Uh, the first two minutes are red hot. And the last two minutes are red hot. Yeah. My God, those 50 in between ain't so good. <laughs> no. Not at all. Uh, Uh, Honorable mention match, uh, just to get it out there for posterity, uh, Reigns and Owens from 2017 was also really good. Yes. Mm -hmm. I mean, shit. You think about that 2017 pay-per-view, if they could have just straightened out that Royal Rumble, that would have been an all-timer. You know, I actually don't think that Rumble's bad. Um, But, you know, despite the fact that Orton wins and it kind of is, that's lame. But um, yeah, that's not a bad pay-per-view. In terms of like, uh, a top to bottom strong rumble pay-per-view 2017 is, is, is pretty damn good. You're right. Cause both title matches are, are excellent. What about that? What's the best rumble pay-per-view? How about not in your format sheet, Tony, mm-hmm. I'm going to throw that one out there to you. And I, I off the top of my head, cards. I don't, yeah, I'm not sure. Um, 2000, 2001, maybe? 2000 has the tables match. Right, the tag team tables match. Yes, the first tables match, Hardy yep. and Dudley's, and then Triple H and Cactus. Yeah, um, that that was like just loved at the time, and, and I don't know, two thousand one is you know it's got Benoit Jericho, Triple H, Angle as the title match. It's probably two thousand or two thousand one. 
just right now I would go with. That's probably one of those. I think it's going to be 2021. Well, you know what? Owens and Reigns are probably going to have a hell of a match again at the Rumble this year, four years later. So, Is Owens just going to lose again? Yes. Yeah. Is that good booking? I think so. Nope. Okay, then I just, you know, should he have won the title on Christmas SmackDown? Yep. Yep. I think he should have too, and would have set up a natural match. I mean, this yeah. whole like, like, ooh, we're going to dangle it's Adam Pierce. You know, kid, I, I, you know, there was no reason to rip on WWE booking in the modern sense right now, but I'm going to do it because you found, you opened that Pandora's box, somebody, and now I'm going to do it. What shit booking that was to do things like that with like, because you had this gauntlet match, which was allegedly to determine Reigns' challenger, right? Mm-hmm. And Adam Pierce wins in a screw job, which is pretty dumb. To be honest with you, I think that's straight out of the Russo-Ferrara playbook. If we're that's being bad. Honest. Yeah, For newer you, fans, that's very bad. Yes. <laughs> yeah, that's very bad. That's the, is that good? No, it's bad. <laughs> um, and okay, they didn't go with Adam Pierce, but he just changed to somebody who wasn't even in the gauntlet match. So you have really, again, reinforced something that WWE has done way too much over the past 10 or 15 years. Teaching your audience they should never invest in a match. <laughs> Nothing you see matters, yes. yes. <laughs> you have this big match on SmackDown. Winner gets a shot at Roman Reigns, and nobody in that match is challenging Roman Reigns. <laughs> That's just bad booking. And is nobody jumping up and down in the creative <laughs> meeting saying this? I mean, I get it. You're getting paid well. You don't want to do it. But I always feel that that's why I would get fired very quickly if I were to get that job because I, I saw get, they had a, a what an assistant writer's position available or something. Yeah, Kyle, I mean, I, I, I would get I would get real mad and stuff like that. <laughs> I'd say, "What are we doing?" Yeah, and well, you know, I, people just look at me and you know, I, I'd be like Jim Cornette making fun of Kevin Dunn's buck teeth, <laughs> escorted out. <laughs> it's going to be another one of those things where. Like we'll probably get on the air with our live show after the pay-per-view and it'll probably be a pretty good show. Like as far as the matches go and we'll say, yeah, these matches all delivered. But again, like the TV and the story heading up really sucked, but they have like these good singular pay-per-views where if, you know, just, if you kind of just watch them on their own, it's like, wow, there's all these good matches. But if you're watching television week after week after week, it just doesn't add up really. Yeah, And to circle back, maybe put a bow on it, whatever. That's why I think, that 2005 really merits a look at number two is because I very much did like the product going into that show. I mean, Randy Orton as a baby face was pretty terrible. But other than that, I, I kind of did like it. I mean, and I guess maybe JBL was kind of shitty as a champion too. But, you know, other than those two very large things, uh, you know, I the wind, you could feel the winds of change and that the promotion was going to put some new people on top. And I always think that's a good thing. Yeah. And they did. 2005 is the one year where business demonstrably went up over the previous year uh, in the 21st century. There, there aren't many years like that, but 2005, um, yeah, they, they killed it for a good part of that year until they didn't. So on our on our exclusive podcast or on the Patreon page, Top Rope Nation Classics, our monthly bonus podcast, it's either going to be the 2005 Rumble, the 2001 Rumble, or the 98 Rumble, depending on how our patrons vote over the next couple of days. Uh, we'll be recording that in the next few days after that. And uh, next week on our main feed here, you will hear a preview of that show. If you want to hear the full show and all the Top Rope Nation classics in the archives and all the bonus cup podcasters, over 20 of them, uh, patreon.com slash Top Rope Nation. I'm looking forward to that, Justin. 
Uh, I just want the listeners to know that if that poll ends up a tie, we're just going to watch 92 again. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Last year, a rumble uh, month was a, a watch along with the 1990 rumble, which was a lot of fun. I brought that up in our, our Facebook group the other day, but if, if you're a patron now and you haven't heard it, go back. Uh, I think that's the only, no, it was actually that one. And then we did the, the Memphis watch along with Derek a couple months after that. We've done two classics where it was live watch alongs and those were a lot of fun, but uh, this one's going to be a deep dive review. And uh, I, you know, I love doing those classic shows with you too, and I am looking forward to it. Justin, I'm surprised you didn't call me out. Uh oh. For? For 1992. What do you What do you mean? Remember something I said I could do? I was pretty confident. Oh, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yes, we have to do this. Yes. We have to do this. All right. So, uh, Kyle, do you want to tell our our listeners what you uh, kind of bragged about? I'm going to pull it pull it up here. Okay, so we're going to have to do this a certain way so the, the people on the video know that I'm not cheating. So I was telling you, I was talking about how much, you know, confidence <laughs> in Royal Rumble history. Hopefully that, hopefully that came up. Hopefully you listeners enjoyed this show. I, I, I enjoyed doing it. But I made the offhanded remark that I am fair. I've seen the 92 Rumble so many times that I am fairly confident I could miss <laughs> yeah. 30 entrants in order. And I was like, oh, that'd be kind of a fun thing for the show. And Justin was all over it. I'm so, jazzed. I am jazzed for Do you this. have them pulled up on your phone? So you I can... got them. Okay, I, got I was them. just going to do Should that. Should I turn around so you know I'm not looking yes, at Yes, you have to turn. We're watching on the video stream. You can. You guys can watch this on our YouTube page if you're listening to the podcast. Well, but he needs the mic, though. We need to hear him. If you turn just to the side, we'll probably be able oh, to that, Oh, yeah, hold on. I'll, I'll get my mic. Hold on. And then hold on one <laughs> this second. This is going to be legit. Yes. Awesome. Oh God! I think I'm gonna. Okay. Here the we Rain Man of professional wrestling. Here he goes. Can you still hear me? Can you still hear me? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. I am looking not at my computer. What incredible rate! All right. So Number one is the winner of the whatever Savifard Battle Royal, Davy Boy Smith. That is correct. Number, Number two. You cannot buy a number this year. It's Teddy DiBiase. <laughs> You're never going to guess number three. Damn it! It's Ric Flair. <laughs> I, no, I'm going to be, uh, I mean, obviously, if, if you have faith that you can do this, that you even thought that you would have a shot there's at a this. Couple sp- there's a couple spots where I might mix the guys up, and it's going to piss me off if I get wrong. Well, uh, number, number four is... Jerry Sags, he's a 300-pound guy. Wow. Wow. Yep, that is correct. Number five is definitely Haku. That is correct. Uh, number six is the freshly heel turn, Shawn Michaels. Ooh, very nice. Very nice. Uh, number seven. Ooh, it's one of it's El Matador. That is correct. He's making, he's making guacamole out of El Matador. Look at the tights. <laughs> <laughs> Bob Heaton, Bob Heaton would be canceled in 2021. <laughs> yeah. Uh, number eight is the Barbarian. He is not a hairdresser on his day off. My God. Number nine. Uh, Carrie Von Eric. It feels like it's 1982 all over again, by God, when he runs the ring. All right. This is getting more impressive and pathetic by the minute. <laughs> okay, I just heard a thing. Okay, the next three is a very hard one because I, I don't want to tip. It's the next three I know in some order is like 
Greg Valentine, the Repo Man, and Nikolai Volkov. And I... I cannot re- I, I cannot remember if it's Valentine Repo Man or Repo Man Valentine. It is I'm going to go <laughs> This is unbelievable. I I'm going to go Repo Man Valentine. Oh, you make me fucking sick, dude. Is it is that it? That's correct. Okay. Number 12 <laughs> is Nikolai Volkov. It's not, it's not easy. Gorilla Monsoon goes, it's not going too well for those Lithuanians over there right now. And Bobby Heaton goes, who cares? Uh, Bobby, uh, the big boss man is definitely number 13. For our listeners, he has a child. Kyle Ross has had sex before. I just want to make that perfectly clear. Oh, my God. Uh, number 14 is the power oh. of Hercules. That is correct. Uh, then we clear the ring in a famous segment. Flair flops and Roddy Piper is number 15. The crowd goes ape shit. 16 is definitely Jake Roberts. Uh-huh. 17 is Jim Duggan, who comes up to a frightening pot. <laughs> uh, then let's go IRS Jimmy Snuka Undertaker. Let's, the listeners are waiting here. Okay, so now I, that felt like a cheat. How can you just rattle off those three? <laughs> because IRS blows and is the low point of the match. Jimmy Snuka, I'm like, why is this man still here? And then Undertaker is 20 because he could only come in 20 or later. Unbelievable. <laughs> uh, Randy Savage is 21. Goes right after Jake. Does a freaking sets a new world record for the 40-yard dash. All right. Now, this is the next hard part. Oh, boy. these Yeah, these next three. Oof. 22, I feel, is someone that is not good. I know 23 is Virgil because Bobby Heaton makes a very unfortunate joke about Virgil when he comes out and going through people's bags, which cannot be repeated in the year 2021. Uh, 22 is the preserver. Yep. Okay. All right. Now it gets dicey again because it's the guys before Hogan. Once I get these three, I'll get it because I know the last four. Jobbers, it's it's it, it's it's people that are not going to win. Skinner is definitely one of them, and Gorilla buries him. Oh, Colonel Mustafa! Jesus Christ! <laughs> yep, twenty-five. Oh, Rick Martel. Yep, and then it's Skinner. Nope. What? Oh no! Wow, you made it all the way to twenty-six. Is it Hogan, then? It is Hogan. And, oh, my God. So then it's Hogan, and then it's Skinner, Slaughter, yep. Sid, Warlord. That's yes. right. Wow. Incredible. I get, I get Hulk Hogan and mixed up with Skinner. Hey, we'll take it. That was That, was that happens all impressive. the time. Happens all the time. <laughs> yes. More impressive than anything we're going to see at next Sunday's Royal Rumble, I think. I oh lived entertained. My God. Unbelievable. Follow, follow this man on Twitter. At How TRP the hell Kyle. did I get Hogan and Skinner <laughs> mixed up? Oh. It's all right, man. That was pretty damn impressive. Kyle, is, is the 92 Rumble match your, your favorite WWE match of all time? It's on the short list. Okay. It's on the short list. It would probably be top five for sure. 
Unreal. It's it's up there in terms of number of times I've watched it. Yeah, it'd be that or probably like Flair or uh, Savage Steamboat. Those are probably the two matches I've seen the most times. Wow, folks, that's I'm why he is the Wrestling Rain Man. Yep, unbelievable. At TRP Kyle, follow him on I'm Twitter. Impressed, horrified, ashamed. <laughs> I was like so fired up. I got the freaking Repo Man Valentine Volkov trifecta, and then I freaking blew Hogan Skinner. I can't believe it. That's where I thought you were going to lose it because you you had said like three times Valentine first, but then yeah. then you got that corrected because you know I was thinking when I said earlier in the show about like Valentine and Tornado rekindling old flames, you know, old feuds with Flair, and so like it was stuck in my head Tornado and Valentine. Gorilla really buries the repo man in that match. Didn't we talk about that on this Tuesday in Texas? Gorilla bought soup. Yeah. Repo man. Yep. <laughs> he buried the gimmick. Yeah. Uh, follow Justin Joint at Justin Joint, J O Y N T. I am at Ryan Drosty, D R O S T E. The show is at Top Rope Nation. We are on Twitter. We're on Instagram, Facebook. Join the group. It's a uh, Top Rope Nation Pro Wrestling Discussion, the Facebook group. We are uh, talking with everyone, all the listeners. Each and every day, fun place to talk pro wrestling. Would love to have you join us. And uh, like I said, we'll have a preview of our classic show next week. And then, what, two days later, two days after that show drops, it will be our, our live post show of the 2021 WWE Royal Rumble. Subscribe to us on YouTube, youtube.com slash Top Rope Nation. Plan to join us uh, next Sunday night as we get on the air live after the show goes off the air on the WWE Network. Justin, great to have you back tonight. Good Complete to be here. Complete the trio. Yes, indeed. Hope you boys have a good weekend. I'm sure we'll be talking pro wrestling. I hope everyone listening has a great weekend. Do, 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 do. <laughs> well, that's a SummerSlam theme, isn't it? I am definitely leading off this show with the classic Royal Rumble okay. theme, so you'll hear it. <laughs> Appreciate the support, guys. Tell your friends about Top Rope Nation. Tell your enemies. Yes, them too. <laughs> all downloads count. <laughs> Tell Skinner. Yes. We'll be talking to you all next week. Have a great weekend. Take care. Skinner? Skinner?